Hello and welcome to The Stack, a special show for all astrology fans out there or the ones that are curious about the topic. I had the pleasure to speak with Susan Miller, one of the best-known astrologers, founder of the iconic Astrology Zone website. She also writes for numerous international publications. Also on the show, I welcome back Rachel Arthur from Boon Saloon, this time to talk about her brand new title, Flip. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. I've always wanted to feature the topic of astrology here on The Stack. It's fascinating how the younger generations remain in love with the zodiac. If you browse through several magazines and broadsheets, the daily readings remain a man's day. Perhaps the best-known astrologer is Susan Miller from Astrology Zone. Besides her website, she writes for six international magazines. She explains to me why astrology remains irrelevant for a younger generation and why print is a great place to read your horoscope. Oh, and she also reviews what's the best-dressed astrological sign. I think it's fueled by social media. You know, in the past, people would read astrology, but they wouldn't talk about it because there was no social media. And it's accessible. You don't have to go to a bookstore to get a book or go to a newsstand to get an astrology magazine. You know, I have 40% male readers, very high for my genre, but that's because I, I think I write about things that men are interested in, mortgages, romance, career, money, but women are too. <laughs> and I'm, when I write, I'm very non-gender specific. You know, so I, I never want a man to come into the column feeling, this is a girl's room. What am I doing here? No. And I'm super feminine, but I keep the fluff factor down, <laughs> I, you know, very consciously to include men because they keep me honest. They think differently. They don't want to be told what to do. And I agree. They want to come to their own conclusions. So I have to lay it out almost like a lawyer would because I'm always imagining the readers saying, why should I believe you? Why does it matter? Like they're shrugging their shoulders. Why should I believe you? So that's why I write 40,000 words a month divided by 12 signs. I have to back up the reasons I'm telling you what I am. <laughs> that, that's a lot of words. I mean, it, it must be, my God, you must be tired of it, but you still, of course, clearly have the passion for it, right? <laughs> I do. I, I love doing it because every month is a new puzzle. Like sometimes Courtney will say, why are you staring at your computer and not writing? I said, well, I'm thinking about Scorpio. They're, they should be moving house if they want to. I mean, this is the best in 12 years, but they also have some cross currents going on. So I have to get them out of the briar patch. <laughs> I don't just say some difficult things are coming. I have to show you the way out of the maze. You know, I, it's, uh, it's not okay to just say something is challenging. I have to offer solutions or what good am I? 
you know, that's how I feel. <laughs> and Susan, just a little bit before we started the interview, it's funny, I was just browsing through Astrology Zone, uh, your website, <laughs> and I was looking at Gemini, man. And apparently it says that they work kind of in publishing or media and they wear tropical <laughs> shirts. And here I am, <laughs> you know, a man working in journalism, wearing a tropical shirt. I promise you it was a coincidence, right? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Gemini is the scribe of the Zodiac. Uh, in ancient days, the king would call on Geminis to write on the clay tablets the laws of the land, because if it wasn't a Gemini, no one knew how to follow the law. Gemini writes clearly, communicates brilliantly. So they are the best. They are also Virgo's good, but they make even better editors. They see every comma, every dot, and they're also brilliant at writing code where every little, every little character counts. So if someone says to me they want to be an editor or a writer, if they don't have some Gemini or Virgo, I say, well, let's see what else you could do also. <laughs> you know, you could, they could probably go into publishing, but it's going to be easier if they have some Gemini or Virgo. Sagittarius is, is a great publisher. They hold the keys to the libraries of the world. And when I wrote my first book, my publisher said, Susan, um, how many verified sources do you have for each fact? I said, one. I have them all on, on index cards. And she said, no, you have to have three. I said, oh, this is, oh, okay. She said, go back and give me three for every fact you have in your book. And I worked and worked and worked, and there were still some where I couldn't get three. Uh, so someone, bless their hearts, told me, if you call USA Today newspaper, they have a research department that will look up things for you at $2 a fact. Well, that was 20 years ago. Maybe it's more now, <laughs> but it certainly helped me. So I did get the three because she said someday someone may take your book of a library shelf and work from it, you have to be sure it's accurate. So Sagittarius's job is accuracy and really putting it in a place where others can access it. What's your sign actually, Susan? Sorry. Oh I no, think... I can't say, I can't say. Then people, oh. there's 12 birthdays out there. No, I, I wanna keep the spotlight on the reader. You know, it's almost like a, you go to a doctor and they start talking about their own illness. That's like terrible. You know? So I don't want to talk about myself. In this world, everything is self, self, self. So I'm not, I'm not that girl. Listen, that, that's, wanna... that's nice to keep it as a mystery in a way. Susan, your job as an astrologer, what do you think? Because I know people, of course, they can study astrology and everything. But there's also something that makes you an expert that you can't explain, right? Or because I'm sure even if you become an academic, that doesn't mean that you're going to be good at like you are, for example. There are some things you can't explain, but I can tell someone that they're accident prone and that it probably wouldn't be the best time to go bungee jumping or <laughs> hang gliding. But, you know, things always work out. Well, not always. Sometimes work out in a way that you don't expect. Let me give you an example. You know, I was born with a terrible birth defect. You know that, right? <laughs> That's what led me into astrology. I grew up in hospitals, but I was an agent for commercial photographers. 
in my own business. I was extremely successful. And I saw a grouping of planets and an eclipse, which is always big, coming up in my eighth house. And I thought, wow, I'm going to make a really big sale, like six figures. Well, that weekend, I broke my leg. And it was the third time I had broken the thigh bone. And they found out I was born without any marrow in that. And it's so painful when you break your thigh bone. I, it's just blinding pain. And uh, they went in and I died on the table, but I came out of it, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I had a, a great doctor here in New York. But uh, the money that I saw coming in was from my, my health insurance. Bless their hearts. They paid for everything. And it was in you know, into six figures, you know, because I was in the hospital, I was in the ICU for two weeks. And, and then I had to stay home for a full year, because they were terrified if I ever broke it again, they could never go into that leg again. It was just too dangerous. And I have something so rare that there's only one book on the subject, and, and there's no name for it. It's Venus Anomaly. It's funny, I would have an illness with the name Venus in it. <laughs> Exactly. which refers to veins and, and arteries. But, um, you know, that house uh, rules commissions, money that comes in, inheritance, uh, prize winnings, insurance payouts. But I thought, well, because I work on commission, I'll get a big sale and I should work extra hard. And it worked out differently, not the way I wanted to. And I'm such an optimist. I always see the bright side of everything. You know? So that was a bit of a shock. But you can always make something work for you, even if you've been hit with something really awful. Because I had to stay in the house for a year and not once go downstairs. Not at all. I, my two children were still living here and my mother was still alive and she was cooking for them. And I thought, well, I need a column in an American magazine where I can pay the rent because my ex-husband said, don't look at me, you know, and I, okay, uh, okay. You know, we were good friends, but he just, the money part was never there. So I, uh, I, I asked my mother to get a whole pile of magazines and one of them, McCall's Magazine, had a column. So I, I didn't know which editor to call, but one of them's name was Amy, Amy Bingham. And I thought, oh, I'll go from A to B with Amy Bingham. So I called her up and I said, I don't know who handles astrology. She said, I do. And I said, well, I, I know you have a writer, but maybe that you love. Maybe I could write a cover story if she gets busy, is writing a book or something. She said, who says I'm happy with her? She said, send me your clips. And suddenly I had a regular column in McCall's magazine, which was a huge magazine before it folded uh, when it, it folded right after the year 2000, because I wrote a big cover story uh, for, for the, the next 10 years, they asked me to write about, which was a real daunting project. But they, they put a booklet in there and there were 32 pages and it was written on very, very thin paper printed. So, um, you know, I had, I, I, and it, it covered my rent and I could also pay the school tuition for my children. So you can figure things out. And sometimes when you get a kick in the pants uh, from the universe, you, you can find a way to go up higher 
to become more resourceful and more energetic and and try something new because you don't have a choice. <laughs> and it's interesting you mention your column in the magazine because your, your, your work is also a very international. Your work is not just in the United States. I think you have a very... Uh, lot of oh, Vogue from- Japan, W Ex- Korea. Exactly. Yeah, uh, Claudia Brazil, Amica Italy, you know, W South Korea. You know, I've, I used to have nine magazines, but the magazine business is going through some trials and tribulations. I know it will come back. Because when I open a magazine, I'm in another world. Even the ads are wonderful. And right now they're, they're very flat, at least in the United States, very flat like little pancakes. But I think, uh, you know, society never gives up a form of communication. Remember when they said radio was dead and now we have podcasts, which are like radio, it's audio. And we have Clubhouse, which is all audio, social media. So... Society doesn't give up a form of communication immediately, but it changes. But I think magazines will come back someday. And I've got to be honest with you, Susan, even uh, in Brazil when I was growing up, there was horoscope and astrology in the daily papers as well. And to be honest, that was kind oh, of yeah. essential, well, essential reading. News. Yeah, it was yeah. essential reading for me. And, 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 I, and I hope they continue because it's quite fun. It's interesting to know in the middle of the, all the political stories and everything. And then uh, there's something consistent there, which I always like. Well, you know, I have an app on the Apple App Store and Google Play, which is free for all your listeners. Free, absolutely free. You just go in. Now, it's a long name. So if you just search Susan Miller, because <laughs> it's called Daily Horoscope, Astrology Zone, and more by Susan Miller. And uh, just search Susan Miller. We had to put my face on the screen because people were pretending to be me and confusing the user. So uh, look for me in a white blouse on either Google Play or the Apple App Store and download it for free. There is a component that if you want longer forecasts, it's $4.99 a month US, but uh, you don't need it because it has my monthly. That's what put me on the map. People love my monthly and it's on the free app. I wanted to give it to people. I'm trying to do what my mother did for me when I was paralyzed during the operation at age 14. I was in the hospital for a whole 11 months straight. And then I was looking at several years of grueling physical therapy. And I remember saying to my mother, I feel like I'm in the middle of the ocean and I don't even know which way land is. I don't know how to get to land. She said, you will get to land and I'm gonna help you. You will, and you will walk again, you will. And I do. But, uh, you know, you have to work at it. And uh, I couldn't go to high school. I had to do homeschool. The Board of Education, you know, works with kids like that who get sick. And, um, and then I went on to college. I went to New York University and majored in business and graduated most likely to succeed. So <laughs> only because I found my determination like a little squirrel that wasn't going to give up, you know. <laughs> but my mother gave me that. So the reason I have a free component to the app is because people, people are walking over broken glass and hot coals out there. And I want to give them a view of all the good in their chart 
sometimes you're looking over here at a problem and you're not seeing all the glittering things that are over here. So it's my job to show you everything and with the hard part to show you a way out and how long it might take. You know, some things take longer to fix than others, but once you do, you become strong and that's, that's good. I think one of the secrets for your success as well, I mean, reading a few of your kind of readings and everything, there's a, there's a, a, a lack of uh, being too judgmental, which sometimes, you know, people might have this image of astrology, like, oh, you have to do this, don't do that, don't, don't date this person. But I think yours, it's always, as I say, looking at the bright side of life in a way. Almost. And, and it's up to you. And sometimes I'll say it could work out this way or it could work out that way. There are different interpretations. That's what makes, you know, each forecast between 2,500 words or 3,000 words. Well, actually, this sometimes I go to 4,000 words uh, occasionally. We like but the long ones, by the way. Explain something. <laughs> you know what it is? short in astrology can be confusing and misleading so you have to give complete information but in a warm entertaining way you can't be encyclopedic you can't be dull and so i keep pushing myself to use new words but also i realize that 52 percent of my audience is not in the united states and some people are reading my column and English is not a first language for them and uh, perhaps difficult. Maybe they're just learning English. So I have to be sure not to use idioms that people wouldn't. I remember talking to a Chinese girl and she was going through a hard time. And I said, oh, it's time to get back on the horse. You know, it was after an appearance I did. And she said, oh, what is this about horses? Oh, cowboy horses, American <laughs> horses. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, right. It's a, an expression we used. You got to get, you know, when the horse throws you off, you have to get back on. But it was so cute. And it really um, made me realize, you know, that when you're talking to a mass audience, you have to be clear. <laughs> Where do they come from, if not from the United States? What are some countries that oh, you could spotlight? Well, well, I have a very... In terms of my cities, LA is my biggest with New York a close second. And then close after that is London, uh, the UK and all their parts like uh, Australia or Canada or Ireland or Scotland and England. Those are big for me. But in terms of non-English speaking countries, the two biggest are Turkey and Brazil. Brazil bigger than Turkey, but those I'm are the I'm glad two. to hear, glad to hear, Susan. <laughs> and then also China, I was just accepted by a Chinese company. You know, it's like Apple. It's actually under the umbrella of Google, but it's a Chinese carrier like Apple or Google Play. And China's big for me. I've been there three times. I've been to Japan once. I really would like to come back there. I want to travel more and I... I wanted to go to England. You and I have to have dinner. I would like to show, give you a tour of the <laughs> oh, office as well. I love that. It would be so exciting. <laughs> that would be amazing. And one thing that I noticed about your work, Susan, you have a strong connection with the fashion world. I was reading, yeah. you, did, you did a project with Louis Vuitton as well. Oh, you saw that? <laughs> yes, I saw. I, I thought it was quite cool. I, would like I just to... announced it this week <laughs> because the New York Times and Vogue came out with it. They came to me. They said, we picked 
200, uh, it's embarrassing to say this, visionaries. And uh, we want you to design a window. And the window has to be inside the trunk of, you know, the iconic trunk that Louis Vuitton started with when he began his business. I don't know if you know that the old fashioned trunks, if you go to an old museum, the trunks were curved. And I said to the design studio of Louis Vuitton, which is in London, by the way, I said, um, why would they make a curved trunk? They said, because leather wasn't waterproofed yet and the, the rain would come down if it was curved. And Louis wanted to make sure it was flat so that the elegant women who bought his trunks with their beautiful gowns and went on trips either by rail or by a ship so they could stack them. And uh, what really inspired me about Mr. Bhutan is that he left home early. He worked as a packer. And I said, what's that? He learned how to fold and pack the dresses beautifully. I mean, these were voluminous gowns in the 1800s. And then he went to carpentry school, learned about that. Then he went to a, um, a company known for quality leather because he wanted to have it waterproofed and he had to learn about everything. He has Venus in Virgo and uh, it was the 200th anniversary. They said, we don't know a lot about him. So could you shed some light on his personality? And so that's how that wonderful project came up. But they have 200 visionary people around the world and each of us gets a window for 24 hours. And I designed with the lab in London, a whole solar system inside the trunk with his chart. And instead of the little glyphs, we have the actual planets and twinkling stars. It's all animated and I can't wait to see it. I, you know, they have photos in the articles, but I wanna see it and uh, I'm excited. I mean, it was such an honor. And then how they paid us was you won't get money you will get you will get a sum to give to one of 15 charities and they gave us a list and i picked writertopia lab <laughs> which teaches children they were all about children all of them it teaches children how to write how to go to verified sources how to have a little newspaper how to write essays and everything Oh, I wish I had something like that when I was little. It's so much fun. And they have little videos of the kids working. And I said, well, writing gives me so much pleasure. I should go with that. There was another one though in Hong Kong that I really liked. It was for kids with disabilities, but because the Writertopia one had so many different programs and it was in the US and because I write 24 seven, I went with that. But all the charities were wonderful. And Louis Vuitton doesn't talk about all the philanthropy that they do, they do a lot. And I was unaware of that. And I said, you should tell people about this because you're, you're doing good work. And I admire that. I feel we should all give to charity on any level, little or big, as much as we can, you know, so. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and Susan, what's the best dressed uh, sign of the Zodiac, would you say? <laughs> well, let me put it this way. <laughs> we have many designers who are Leo. And the Leo fashionista, the lady buying her, her outfits, will want designer clothes 
she'd rather have fewer items in her closet, but beautifully designed, rich color, gorgeous. Now, Pisces is just as creative as Leo. Pisces will mix high and low, and they even mix vintage. They're very creative with this. Uh, they get inspiration from everywhere. It rules, Pisces rules the silver screen, the movies. So they're fabulous designers in movies to get the right clothes for the character. But Leo makes that grand entrance. <laughs> And they love the paparazzi where some of us like, no, no, no. I, I, think, <laughs> our, I think our Leo listeners would, would enjoy that coming from, coming now, from you, you know, as well. Now, you know, Gemini, you're Gemini. Gemini gets bored easily. They are so good with accessories and mixing and matching and tops and bottoms and bags, earrings, necklaces, scarves, just mixing it up constantly because they get bored and they they're genius at accessories so you know you have all of them contribute something you know so <laughs> and aquarius they like to use new fabric something that nasa developed for the astronauts you know they're so forward thinking Let's use some fabric no one's ever used before that just came out last month. <laughs> They'll use mylar. They'll use anything, you know, and uh, rich, you know, almost neon colors. And uh, they like to break tradition, you know, whereas cancer is more feminine. They like to wear their heart on a sleeve. Even if lace and ruffles aren't in, they don't care. I mean, <laughs> they want to express their sympathy and warmth. Pisces is very romantic too. They're little Valentines, just like Cancer. My partner is Pisces, and actually, I have to say, he—it's always a difficult match, apparently, Gemini and Pisces. But you know, you well, can make things no. work. <laughs> one has the heart, and one has the intellect. You know, the only thing that would get you into trouble is when he's starting to think about a project. You think you have to fix it right away. And he doesn't want you yes. to fix it right away. Yes. He wants you to listen and be sympathetic and say, oh, that was terrible. You know what I mean? But not offer advice. Not yet. Not until he asks for it, you know. <laughs> but no, it could be a very good mix. It can be fine. I, I believe anybody can get along with anybody else. That's a good point of view. Listen, Susan, it's such a pleasure. I could talk to you the whole day, to be honest. Oh, uh, you and I are going to have to have a long dinner together yeah, in London honestly, or in New York. <laughs> if, if you are in London or in New York, I, I would love that because you're such a fabulous, interesting person. <laughs> and of course, you have a lot of new projects coming up. You're making a, ca a new calendar. Uh, of course, yes. people can visit Astrology Zone and your magazines yeah, and, as well. Uh, Oh, oh and I'm coming out with a second app in September that will not cannibalize the first app. It's separate and adds to your life. I can't talk about it yet, but I worked on it for, for three years and it's coming out soon. The team in Santa Monica is doing the final details and running the tests. And so we'll put it on the market in Apple and Google Play both. And, you know, we'll see how people like it. I hope they do. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. So great talking to her. For more info on Susan's work, go to astrologyzone.com. And finally on the show, I welcome back Rachel Arthur, founder of Boon Saloon magazine. She's back as a creative director for a new title called Flip. 
The title explores the minds of pioneers from the world of design, strategy and innovation. To tell us more about the first edition of FLIP, here is Rachel with more. FLIP is a deep dive into the minds and meanderings of true pioneers, I would say, from the worlds of design, strategy and innovation. And it's created in collaboration with Label Ventures, which is a really exciting project for us. And all profits from the sales are supporting our work to rewrite the story of dementia. So lots of really, really great things coming together in one publication, which is fab. It's a very sweet idea, kind of this connection with this project. And, and, and how, how did it came about? Because it's something uh, quite specific. Tell me a bit more. Yeah, of course. Um, so Label Ventures, we have known for a long time. We were lucky enough to be able to share physical space with them back in the days when that was the norm. Um, so yeah, we've always been big fans of everything that they're up to. They work in a really exciting space. They operate with an incredible model backing them up, um, not that far removed from a music label, which is, is really exciting and innovative within this kind of space. Um, so yeah, we'd known each other and I suppose somewhat been in, in cahoots and conversations day to day, uh, just throughout normal work and had been discussing, you know, some kind of potential for working together in some way. And then they very excitingly approached us and said, they were one of the few people brave enough to actually launch a new publication and they would like to do it in collaboration with us with all the profits supporting our dementia work so yeah really really exciting venture for us in terms of the dementia work itself this came about as each of our projects do through a number of different conversations and happy coincidences and collisions of things that you never can foresee happening. We were actually planning our first international project in Berlin, which unfortunately got hit by first Brexit and then COVID, but it's still going to happen. It's just been somewhat postponed and actually opened up space for us to work in this new realm, which has just been fantastic. Um, initially, we were planning to work in closer collaboration with care homes, but this was all coming together just at the start of the pandemic. And obviously with everything that happened within that space, it wasn't the right time for that stage of the project. So instead we did uh, a slight pivot and have been working in direct collaboration with a group called STAND, who are a peer support group for people living with younger onset dementia and their families. And we have connected them with a series of creative writers and poets from all around the world, which I will hold my hands up and say potentially wouldn't have happened if we'd all have been thrown back into our houses because we had planned to do things person to person a lot more than we ended up being able to do. But as with everything, pros and cons of that. Um, so yeah, we brought together this incredible group of creatives and worked in collaboration with Stand to tell the true stories of their dementia and offer them a point of connection at a time when so many people were feeling more isolated than ever. And in particular, people who are undertaking their own dementia journey were very heavily affected by all of the flux taking place in the world. So it's been incredibly humbling to be able to work in the space at this time and to be able to use something in the realm of publications and print and our kind of bread and butter to support that is is the dream essentially and to be honest it, it kind of continues what you were doing in a way because i know with bone saloon you know you i think you always have this 
this kind of community minded, you know, I think that that's quite lovely uh, what you do as well. Uh, and how's, how are things with Boone Saloon as well? I know since we spoke last time, uh, there's been some couple of issues which they looked amazing as well. I think it's a very beautiful title as well. Thank you. Yeah, things are going really well. We are in the throes of planning our sixth issue, which I'm, I'm somewhat nervous to say too much about because it's going to be very different to the previous five. But we really want to challenge the medium of a magazine and also somewhat, you know, explore our relationships with this incredible community we have around the world and think about how we can involve them further in this idea of what a magazine is potentially have something which might be a little bit more interactive slash immersive. But as you can imagine, it is a slightly longer process because we're, we're taking all of the learnings of this bread and butter print publication, but developing them into a slightly new space for us. So yes, some very exciting things coming soon, but all going well on that front. And we have some great new team members involved as well, which is really exciting. Let's come back uh, to Flip that I have here in my hands. First of all, I think the readers need to know that the magazine does indeed do a little flip, you know, which is quite nice, a nice design touch to it as well. Tell us a bit more, uh, you know, about the design and, and also where can people find uh, a copy of Flip as well? Yeah, of course. I mean, a lot of the initial discussions around Flip, which as you'll know, with creating any new publication focus so much on, on the why and what is the reasoning behind this? What is the design thinking? Where's the consideration? And a lot of that came from these huge, often quite top level conversations that can happen within the space and us thinking about how we could really lift the lid on that and get to the nuts and bolts of the people working within this industry and essentially flip the conversation to add a new level into that, I suppose. So another thing we were playing with is this tone of voice and personality and having an element of quirk within there. And it was quite interesting. We had someone write about it recently and describe it as a reworking of a B2B magazine thrown into an art zine, which ties in really nicely with what we want to do. And having- Great description, by the way, great description. I know, I know, I wish I'd written it myself. <laughs> um, but having this play around something which is very heavily grounded within an often overly digital world, but taking that back to the heart and soul of something analog and creating a publication which is not only tangible, but somewhat forces the reader to interact in a kinetic manner with that and physically flip the page around in a way that you simply cannot do with a screen. So I love the concept of taking these conversations which are so often born in the digital realm and then moving them into that physical space and adding in that sense of, of physicality and movement into that. So having a magazine which has to be physically flipped is a really nice manifestation of that action, I suppose. And where, where can we find it? Is it going to be the same as Boon Saloon, which, which I know we can find in a couple of places here in London, for example? Yes, yes, absolutely. So at the moment, we're directing those sales through our website, which is boomsaloon.com. We are hoping to work with a small selection of stockists. We don't have a huge print run for the first issue. Um, so we're keeping the majority of that in-house, which allows us to direct more funds to the projects as well, which is obviously really important to us. Um, so boomsloon.com is the main place to head to for that. That was Rachel Arthur there from Boon Salon and Flip Magazine. For more on both titles, go to boonsalon.com. Mm-hmm.
Well, that's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editor, Nora Hall. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fb.monaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at the same time. And of course, you can always listen again to The Stack or subscribe as well on monaco.com, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Before we go, a little song for you, a very special song to me. It's by a Brazilian band from the 70s that I adore. It's Secos e Molhados with Flores Astrais, which means Astro Flowers. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Um grito de estrela.